if you're shooting on film, I think it really challenges you as a cinematographer to be totally on top of your lighting choices. No one on set is going to understand what your film is going to look like until they actually see the scans. You know, a whole production, like looking at this video tap in black and white, you know, it looks like shit. It's really exciting to know that you're being trusted in a way that you might not be with digital. That was cinematographer Mac Fisher. Originally from Maine and now based in Los Angeles, Mac is known for his eye-catching work across commercials, music videos, and narrative film. Mac's dynamic style and expertise shooting across digital, 16, and 35mm film has given him a stylistic reputation which has attracted brands such as Levi's, Reebok, Amazon, and G-Shock, placing him amongst the elites within a new generation of DPs who are collectively changing the game as we know it. Welcome to Real Drive, produced by Stepped Studios. What's up, Mac? How you doing today? Not much, man. Thanks for having me. Just broadcasting live from my parents' home in Portland, Maine right now. Life is good. Well, I'm pumped, man. We got Mac Fisher on the line here. Not only a, a good friend of mine personally, but an amazing cinematographer. And we've sort of crossed paths throughout our lives, both growing up on the East Coast and ending up in Los Angeles. But I'm really excited to chat with Mac for a little bit. And I think you're lucky enough, at least from my perspective, you sort of get to work on the, the cool shit, you know, like the, the films that everyone shares and wants to see, whether it's music oriented or lifestyle or culture. I feel like you've been fortunate enough to pick up some really, really cool gigs the past couple of years. So, hey, congrats on that. And yeah, excited to talk about some of this stuff. Yeah, thanks, Nick. I think I've been super fortunate in such a competitive industry and looking forward to keeping it all going. Yeah, man. Well, well, let's get started with obviously you're LA based now. And for those listeners who aren't familiar with Mac's work, it'll be available at the podcast link at stepstudios.com slash podcast. But it spans the, the whole gamut. You know, Mac's done branded content with us. He's done some incredible music videos, done a ton of commercial work. He's been doing feature films recently. So he's really seen and done it all, which is extremely impressive. And to jump back, I'd love to just know how you ended up in LA and how you got started. I know you were, I believe, at film school at Emerson. Do you want to talk a little about where you came from and sort of like how you ended up in this professional sphere of, of filmmaking and cinematography and how you landed in LA? Yeah, sure, man. I mean, looking way back, I came from, you know, basically the exact same world that you did and like a lot of the, you know, the stepped guys did and most of our friends, which was working in like the ski industry, obviously based out of Maine, where I grew up, trying to put together small little urban ski films with my friends. When I graduated high school, I I knew that I definitely was interested in uh, filmmaking, specifically in cinematography. Luckily, I somehow, no idea how, I got into Emerson College in Boston. It was like, you know, one of my first choice schools. Got a bachelor's degree in cinematography at Emerson. Realized that uh, I needed to move to LA or New York. You know, I literally packed up my 2007 Chevrolet Cobalt with everything I had and um, drove cross country by myself through like a snowstorm in North Dakota. I was dead broke at the time. I was living on my friend's couch in a pretty rough neighborhood in Los Angeles. In any case, I basically contacted the people I knew and started to try to get on set. You know, same old story. I was a scene a lot in the beginning 
And I eventually realized I was a terrible focus puller and I needed to get serious and eventually started getting small, really small gigs for free, you know, shooting music videos for free, friends of friends for no name artists. I can't even remember off the top of my head right now. And that slowly developed into like $50 gigs, $100 gigs. And after a couple of years, just freelancing in Los Angeles, I started working for Vice as an assistant editor and eventually got some jobs shooting locally. And then I was there right when Viceland started. So I was kind of there during these like golden years of Vice, I'd say, you know, when their, their entire brand was really exploding globally. In any case, you know, I got to travel the world with a camera. I got to experience so many beautiful countries and meet so many different people. And that kind of docu foundation, I think, became a really strong foundation for the type of cinematographer that I later became. Epic, man. Well, to fast forward, knowing that a lot of the time the director is, is more or less in charge of, of choosing the DP they want to work with. How are, you, how are you starting these relationships where someone like Tyler reaches out to you or, or some of the other directors, whether they're personal relationships or how do you get on the radar of directors? Is this just people reaching out out of the blue or through an agent or, or how, do you, how do you foster these relationships or start them? Yeah, that's a really good question, man. I, I definitely spend a fair amount of time reaching out to directors if I'm particularly excited about their work. And I think that we have a lot of similar you know, attributes to our work. I, I think we could work well together, et cetera. It's, it's nice to hear that you're not scared to proactively reach out to people because I do feel like it can be crippling sometime in your career. You know, you're working, you're just sort of like sitting, waiting for these opportunities to fall into your lap. You know, like your dream director is just going to hit you up out of nowhere. So it's cool to hear that you've had success, like actually taking the initiative to reach out and striking up a conversation and clearly it's work. So that's awesome. And one important note about that is like, I'd say that, you know, if you are going to reach out to a director, it's better if it's really sincere rather than just saying, Hey, you're amazing. You're, you know, you're such a cool artist. We should work together. It's always better if you can kind of be very specific about, you know, your reasoning for wanting to collaborate, you know, similar interests, obviously similar styles, but being sincere helps and everyone can read that, you know, whether it's an email or whatnot. So, yeah, well, that's really good advice. So let's talk about sort of your shooting style a little bit. I know that like from, from my end, no, I watch your work so regularly. I, I feel like I know like what a Mac Fisher piece looks like. And there's a ton of different variables to that. And obviously all your, all your different films have their own identity depending on what the subject matter is. But you know, every DP has their sort of own approach and, and some sort of signature look or, or style to some degree. How, how would you define if, if you had a style? How would you describe that? And, and what inspires your work? So I think a lot of my inspiration comes from like the way I grew up. I grew up in a small town where I currently am residing in Portland, Maine. And this place is incredibly nostalgic to me, you know. My parents are from a small town called Rumford, Maine. It's this dilapidated little mill town. In any case, these these types of settings, small, somewhat working class environments have really influenced the types of visuals that I like to create. I think my style's pretty naturalistic. I don't think I have as much imagination as some of my friends do in terms of shooting like more stylized projects. I really appreciate images that are not so aware of themselves, 
or are particularly loud or maybe cinematic for the sake of being cinematic. More so now than ever, I really appreciate images that are like almost invisible to the audience. Roger Deakins is like a contemporary master of this style. A lot of his cinematography is just, it's so simple that you're, you're barely aware of it. You're just so focused on the actors and the people in front of the camera, which I do think is particularly rewarding and I think is one of the most difficult things to do. One thing I see that you're sort of not getting known for, but everyone knows that, that you do shoot a lot of film. And I know I've had directors ask me before, like, hey, I want to work with Mac. I know he shoots a lot of 16 and like I want to use that medium for my project, whatever it may be. And that's become, at least from what I've seen in the past like three, four years, sort of a resurgence in shooting on film. And do you want to talk a little about like why you've chosen to shoot so many of your projects on film rather than digitally? And sort of like what the benefits are, what the challenges are, and sort of what that process is like. Yeah, sure. You know, I will say that I'm not like, I'm definitely not married to shooting on film by any means. I'm, I love shooting digital. I'm extremely open to like any format. I think that going into any film or project, it shouldn't just be this idea from the get-go that like we're going to shoot on film because that's going to make this better. I think a film, whether it's 16 or 35, really has to support like the tone of the visuals that you're creating. You know, it's, it's a pleasure to shoot on film. I think uh, there's a lot of different reasons that cinematographers and directors like to shoot in that medium. I think it, you know, a lot of cinematographers will argue that, you know, the skin tones and the color renditions on film are just so much more rich than digital could ever produce, you know, color saturation. It's just so much more brilliant on film. And there's something about 16 millimeter grain that just has this like incredibly raw emotion to it. 35s really, I think I'm even much more excited about shooting 35 these days because I it's not quite as loud and obvious as 16 in terms of like the fact that you're actually shooting on film, but it has like a much it has like a much more timeless look to it while still holding all those characteristics that we love about shooting film. You know, if you're shooting on film, I think it really challenges you as a cinematographer to be totally on top of your lighting choices. No one on set that is the big thing I would say about film. No one else on set besides your gaffer is going to understand what your film is going to look like until they actually see the scans and it's colored. So it's literally just you and the gaffer. You know, no one understands why the lighting is a certain way. Obviously, the um, video tap feed is incredibly rough looking. So you have like a client or, you know, a whole production, like looking at this video tap in black and white, and it's all, you know, it looks like shit. And they're just like trusting you that when they get these scans back in a week, that it's going to look beautiful. And I think there's a certain like, level of power with that, you know, I feel it's really exciting to know that you're being trusted in a way that you might not be with digital, where like, you know, people can really pick apart your entire image on set. Yeah. It's insane. It can be terrifying too, unless you're working with the medium often, you know, and you have a lot of confidence. Like I've dove into some film projects after not shooting film for a while and you're sitting there like, holy shit, I hope this comes out. (laughs) (laughs) There's always times where you might second guess yourself, but we're in an age where the technology supports our craft so much. You know, like all these, all these Vision 3 Kodak stocks have just incredible range to them, you know. 
it's pretty difficult to totally blow it, you know? And typically, especially if it's a music video or commercial, the productions tend to embrace the uh, abnormalities and the issues that might, you know, if something isn't perfect, they're going to say, oh, cool, it looks, it's shot on film. Speaking of like cameras and for like anyone who is a little bit more technical is listening in, what other equipment are you excited about right now? You know, whether it's cameras or lensing or or even new lighting that's coming out? Like, what are some things in the past year that have caught your eye that you're really excited to be using often? I think in terms of camera technology, the obvious big advancement in the last couple of years has been uh, digital large format, which has been a really exciting addition to the market. And is there a large format body that you're liking? Have you played around with the Venice and the LF? And what have you found working for you? I really enjoyed shooting with the LF Mini because, you know, like most DPs will tell you, like the interface of it is almost identical to that of the regular Mini, you know, Super 35 sensor. It's just really seamless in terms of like, you, you don't, you're not thinking about the uh, technical aspects of the camera. It kind of just like allows you to focus on everything in front of the camera. One note on like the business aspect I wanted to talk to you about, because obviously almost all cinematographers, at least like on the commercial and feature level are, are independent, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of not working full time at some, some company. And with that comes the constant strategy of how you find your next opportunity. And like we talked about, a lot of that could be networking with directors, but a, a different piece of that puzzle is, is representation. And that's one of the questions I get asked from up and coming friends, you know, who are cinematographers who are looking to take their work to the next level, sort of that, you know, do I need an agent? Do I need a rep? If so, when do I get one? Is it going to help or hurt me? And I know you've sort of been through this process the past three or four years from getting your first rep to sort of moving companies over time. And what can you tell aspiring DPs about how that system works, when it's a good time to start thinking about that, and maybe if there's any other things to avoid or embrace along the way? Yeah, for sure. I think, first of all, I don't think that any cinematographer should aspire to be repped. You know, there's so many incredible cinematographers, directors out there that do not have representation for all kinds of reasons, whether they haven't, you know, they're, maybe they're not just that concerned with marketing themselves. Who knows? I'm not going to say that being represented isn't a positive thing. I've heard so many different situations, lots of my friends and their, you know, their relationships with their agencies. Some are positive. Sometimes they're maybe not so positive. I got some really good advice, actually, from my friend Ben Goodman, who was at Pardos at the time when I was lucky enough to get contacted by them for representation. And he pretty much told me that, you know, once you get repped, that's like when your job gets much more complicated in terms of being a cinematographer, because you can't really expect that your agency... It's just going to get you work. It really doesn't work like that. It's a two-way relationship. You know, once you have representation, you are expected to market yourself even that much more. In a lot of cases, you're expected to reach out and connect with directors as often as possible. You know, you're expected to bring most of the work in. I think most cinematographers will tell you that, you know, their agencies only bring them a small percentage of work a year. 
which is totally fine. How did you end up like in that situation, knowing that your career was starting to do well? Did you get approached by a rep who was potentially interested in working with you? Or did you start reaching out to rep companies to find meetings? What was the start of that process like? No, I, I never aspired to get repped. I, I personally, it was something that wasn't at all on my mind at the time. And I personally didn't think that I was maybe worthy of representation. I remember I saw an email in my inbox and I was like, this must be a mistake. You know, somehow I was lucky enough to um, have that opportunity. My advice to any cinematographers kind of starting out just out of school is to not worry about getting repped. I think their goal should be to connect with directors whom they admire and just be as creative as possible not worry about the notoriety of a cool agency or anything like that. You've really got to just focus on your work and focus on enjoying it along the way. Yeah, it makes sense, man. I think I think that's true for a lot of parts of our industry, that number one priority. And that I hear that from everybody and even Leon last episode, you know, you just got to get out and work and then those things come. You know, if you focus on putting out good work, that sort of infrastructure is going to build itself around you. But yeah, always an interesting challenge. For sure. Finish it off. I've always been curious. What would your dream job look like when the virus has ended? If you could work on anything you want, what would it be? Would it be a huge feature, a small indie feature, big commercial music video with your dream artist? Like what, what do you think creatively would be the most exciting for you? I mean, to be totally honest, I've been so humbled by this entire experience, as many have, that I'd be, I'm going to be grateful to shoot anything. You know, this whole experience was a wake up call for a lot of us. So, you know, I, I will be grateful to shoot a branded content, you know, diapers commercial if I had it. You know, I'd be grateful to shoot a, a music video for like a boy band. I don't even care. I'm just excited to hold a camera again and be creative and work with my friends and just get back into that kind of environment. But, you know, moving forward in my career, I'm definitely really focused on long-form narrative. I'm really interested in, you know, I think indie features more than anything else. There's something about being so invested in a project over a long period of time and having so much time to work with the director, develop ideas, and then when you actually get to execute those ideas on on a set, it's it's a really special feeling. Yeah, man. Well, I think I don't speak alone when I say I'm I'm pumped. I'm sure everyone else is excited to see what you come up with next. And pretty much every time you drop a project, I'm fired up, and so is everyone else who sees it. So kudos to you for crushing it so hard the past couple of years. And I'm excited to see where it goes in the next couple, man. And I can't wait to hang once this virus settles down. Hopefully, we're all back to normal and we can get back to doing. Uh, some filmmaking that should be rad. Thanks again for taking the time to chat with us. I'm sure everyone, all listeners appreciate it. Dude, yeah. Nick, thank you so much for having me, man. It's been really good catching up and this has been really fun. Yeah, man. All right, well, we'll talk to you soon. For anyone who's listening, you want to see more of Mac's work, we'll link it all at stepstudios.com slash podcast. Tune in next week and many thanks, Mac. I'm sure I'll be talking to you soon, brother. Thanks, Nick. To see Max's work and to find more episodes, visit us at stepstudios.com slash podcasts. See you next time on Real Drive.